This week on Category 5 Technology TV, we're going to be looking at the Pocophone F1 from Xiaomi. Uh, it is an economical yet slightly high-end for the price smartphone. We're going to check that out in just a couple of moments' time. Stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet broadcasters, which is cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome back again this week, everybody. It's so great to have you here. What's new with you? Oh, yeah, I'm Robbie. I'm Sasha. Sasha, how you been? I've been great. It's been a crazy week around here. We've had massive snowstorms. Incredibly massive. Like, yeah, I don't know if all of the viewers have had it, but I feel like North America for sure has yeah. just been like inundated. Sure. And so... So if you see me kind of going like this tonight, oh, that's the shovel shoulder. That's what that is. Marshman agrees with me. Um, bananas. feeling it for sure. But no, bananas because oh, the potassium helps bananas. eat bananas. <laughs> How do we get on bananas? After you shovel and you're sore, eat yes. bananas because the potassium helps remove the lactic acid buildup and relieves mus- muscle pain and aches. So See, we learned something here tonight, Right. Folks. So the weather's bad. Eat bananas. We're not even 10 seconds into the show, and we already learned a health tip. <laughs> so, you know, that's just, you never know what to expect around here. So before that's the right. show, I asked, like, what's new in tech? And you were like, well, I tried something, and it didn't work. And I was like, okay, well, let's not talk about it. And then I realized, that's not, it, that wasn't it at all. Do you want to tell me about what, uh, what you tried and what, what happened? Oh, are, the thing that you told me not to talk about, I can talk about? <laughs> <laughs> She's now like, I'm well, so it didn't work. And I was like, oh, well, all right, okay, well so la- let's move on. No, last week we talked about how Office has the cloud thing like Google does. Oh, Microsoft. Oh, Microsoft. yes, yes, yes. Right? So I, th- I was wondering whether or not I could on my work computer because some of my computers at the office have windows and some don't and I, mine doesn't. So I work on LibreOffice. So mm-hmm. I wanted to know if I could open a file that was saved on a Word computer using the online office Mm -hmm. app. See what I'm saying? Yes. The answer is no. (laughs) Because. Why? Well, okay, so here's what I did. Well, I don't know if the answer is completely no. We already knew the answer was going to be no. Did we? Yeah, I kind of spoiled it at the beginning. Oh. Spoiler. (laughs) Okay, so the the reason why it didn't work for me is because... I couldn't figure out if I could search my computer from that thing. I can create a document, but I can't open a document on the computer. So oh, then like I a tried local file. Yeah. So then I tried just opening it and just yeah. selecting everything and copying and pasting it in, which the text pulled up, but it was all the wrong format because I picked, pulled it up in LibreOffice. Yeah. And then I pasted it into. So you copied and pasted into Word, Word Online. Right. Cat5.tv slash MS Office. So you couldn't actually open a local file? I couldn't. But maybe I had done something wrong. Now, here are a couple of things that I perhaps did wrong. I signed in with the... I used 
my did school you, email. Did you use your Microsoft account? Uh, yeah, I used my Microsoft account through school. Okay. Because that's the only one I have. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't let me open a local file. So when I say Microsoft account, for me, mm -hmm. it's my, my Skype account. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I want to use. So I, I'm just going to try it. Can I just try it? Absolutely, you can try it. Okay, so let's see. I'm going to uh, grab my Skype credentials here and log in. I would like to just shout out to Marshman, who is always looking out for me. I said last week, remind me, somebody, on Monday when I get into the office, that I want to try to do this. And like clockwork... I got a ping in my inbox, my mm -hmm. email, which said, check your Discord, check my Discord. And it was Marshman saying, don't forget to do that thing. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. So okay. It, thank you. So I want to bring up Word Online here, mm -hmm. which I'm just, just going to try. Okay. So if I, let's say I create a document in LibreOffice Writer. Okay. which I have. So I just want to try this. Yeah, I can't imagine that you wouldn't be able to open It didn't work for me, but I want file. but I am not super savvy. So if you figure out how to do it, well, it I'm would just be curious. Ultra like helpful. I'm just So I'm just going to I'm going to save this as a docx because it's got to be word format. We'll call this test local file. Okay, so now I have one on my desktop. So is there no way to just open a file open I didn't, from OneDrive. I did not see so it. I saw create a I new go, document. So if I go into OneDrive, mm -hmm. which I've never used. Wow. I would imagine that it's like, um, like Google Drive. Like yeah. have, have you tried uploading it to your OneDrive? No, I have not. Okay. So. Curiosity. Mm-hmm. See... I would like to do this because we we know that there's a little bit of communication or problems as far as internally. the computers internally. Sure. So if I could print a form at my computer that was created on somebody else's computer, yeah, that's easy. This is like a, a user experience nightmare. It keeps looping into, hey, would you like to add an email? I don't yes. want to add an email. I just want to go into OneDrive. Maybe it's because I've never used it and I've never set up accounts and things like that because I've never used OneDrive. Right. Go to my OneDrive. Marshman is saying click add a place. Oh, maybe that's what time. I need to do. What? Yeah, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't let me. Mm -hmm. I so I, I would encourage you to try, and, and I think that the connection is going to be, uh, and, and folks, if you know the answer, then, then share it with the community. Comment <laughs> below. Um, I think the, the answer is going to be uploading the file, the doc file, to your OneDrive. Right. And then opening it from OneDrive. Because remember, it's a cloud, uh, like on your Chromebook. It's, right. It's not saved on the Chromebook. It's saved on Google but, Drive. Exactly. So then when you open it from any computer, it's opening it from Drive, not from your computer. I think that's going to be the missing piece. Right. Yeah, on Monday morning while I was just trying it really fast, mm -hmm. I just couldn't quite figure it out. And then I, I knew that copying everything and selecting it and pasting it wasn't going to be perfect, but it was super far from perfect. So it wasn't salvageable. <laughs> but you got that far. Yes. Um, as you say, uh, Marshman is saying click add to or add a place. Mm -hmm. So what does that do? Add a place. OneDrive Dropbox. So those are the only options, OneDrive or Dropbox. So okay. I don't use either of those personally, but I guess if you wanted to use this service, you'd have to use one of those. One of those. Right. Yeah. Okay.
Okay. <laughs> there you go. In other news, I am about 15% through changing my passwords on everything. Fantastic. Yeah. And are you, did you pick a provider for a password management system? LastPass. Okay. So I had opened a LastPass account before. I could not remember my master password. So I had to... <laughs> I had to do all of the recovery in that sort of situation. So now... Can I just remind you the whole point of having LastPass is you only have to remember one password. Right, but... You forgot the one password. I forgot the one password, and my clue was really not helpful. Like That's past, probably good. Past Sasha, past Sasha, that was a bad clue. <laughs> <laughs> I just make up clues. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I will never forget the time when a staff member at your office called me up, and he, he's there alone on the weekend, and I can't get into the computer. This was fun. Oh, yeah? yeah? Oh, yeah? I don't understand. What color are monkeys? I know. It is one of the questions. <laughs> the color he's of like, monkeys. I tried brown. <laughs> oh, yeah. boy. Okay. Well... There you go. So <laughs> now I have a new, very strong, very memorable one password I need to remember. Mm. And I have, I, have a, I have a sub question to this. So I've moved over some of my passwords. If it's an account where I've clicked, you know when it's just like login or login with Gmail? You yes. know when you can just click that? Oh, off, yeah. Right. Do, so I never created a username and password for that. I Correct. just click Google. Do I have to go into each of those websites? No, and they're create... authenticated with Google. So now if you log into your Google account and look for authorized sites and apps, you then... can remove those from your authorized apps if you want. Okay, perfect. So I but don't they have don't to... have access to your password. They just know who you are, your email address. and. So they're safe under my safe Gmail password. If someone compromised your gmail right then you'd be in trouble because all these sites allow you to log in using your gmail account so i should then change all of those passwords just change your gmail password to some okay problem solved because oauth doesn't give them your password they don't know you're not logging in with your username and password from gmail right you are signed into gmail and then gmail is saying you are who you say you are mm -hmm. and it's allowing you to log in right I just want to be as safe as I possibly can, mm -hmm. starting from practically nothing. So right. The key thing is to have a really good, strong master password that nobody could ever guess, that's mm -hmm. not in the English dictionary or any dictionary for that matter. Right. Um, and, uh, and then use crazy passwords in all your sites. Mm -hmm. So, that, like, I don't know any of my passwords other than my master password. Right. Why would I? I want them to be so complex that even I can't guess them, right? Like, they're ridiculous. Like, 32 characters, random, and uppercase, lowercase, crazy characters, whatever. Like, even your Gmail is something like that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. My Gmail is not like that yet. Um, so, I, I was speaking with Tony Anscombe a few weeks ago, and um, he had mentioned that one of, a, one of the interesting ways to create a password recipe for yourself mm -hmm. is just to take, like, acronyms from things that matter to you. So, um, I drive a white Dodge Grand Caravan. So, WDGC right. could, could now be part of my password, WDGC. Um, and then you incorporate something else into that. And I've said before, like, think of things that you can write down that nobody would ever understand. Right. Like, I would say, um, 
you know, what's something that I do on Thursdays? Uh, I have a Starbucks date with my daughter. Okay. okay? So that's a, like a Thursday tradition. So, so I could write down Thursday. So I could put Van Thursday and whatever else. But yeah. Van Thursday to me will say white Dodge Grand Caravan. Right. That's and then- Van. And then Thursday to me means Starbucks. Starbucks. Right. So, so I can have W, D, G, C, Starbucks, mm-hmm. and then a number and a you know. So you you create a recipe that's really easy for you to understand and you to remember, and then I can write that down. And nobody gets Van Thursday, and whatever else I want to incorporate into that password, and it can be so, and so the password ends up being this ridiculous password, but I'm really. It's really easy for me to remember because I remember the recipe and I can even go so far as just writing down my recipe and it can be a sticky note on my monitor. Nobody would ever guess that. What color are monkeys? Not brown. If it was though, (laughs) right? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I totally get it. All right. Um... We need to stop talking about me. We need to start talking well, about I, you. Don't talk about me. Talk about NAMS. Yes, exactly. I'm so excited about, like, this week has been nuts and in a really, really good way. NEMS Linux is uh, a distribution that I, I maintain, that I created and maintain. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find out more at nemslinux.com or right here on Category 5 TV. If you go to our website, category5.tv, go to the search and just type in NEMS, N-E-M-S. Uh, I won't get into it right now, but um, 1.5 just came out. Yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, I'm biased, so I have to say that tongue-in-cheek. But the community has been responding and, and loving it. and Good. It's just miles above anything that's ever been done for an enter- enterprise monitoring system. Right. So this, so NEMS, just for somebody who wants to understand it basically, just monitors how your system is doing and, and lets you know yes. pretty much. The, um, the, the slogan, the byline of NEMS is monitor everything. Right. My kids say, like, what can you monitor? I say, well, you can, for $3 on Amazon, you can buy um, a moisture sensor. Right. You can put it in the plants of your house and connect it to a Raspberry Pi, and your NEM server will now email you if the plants need watering. You can find out if your hard drive has crashed. You can find out if your server is failing. But in the enterprise environment, it's commonly used to keep track of assets, make sure that things are working. If a server's gone offline, it'll warn you. Or if a server's flapping, which means it's kind of up and down or it's losing packets or something like that, you'll get notifications and and you can get emails, you can get SMS, you can get um, uh, uh, Telegram, um, like all kinds of notifications, including uh, webhooks, if you want to connect it to your Discord server or something like that. So This speaks my language, I'll tell you. <laughs> I so need this. One, you need it at the office because it would warn you if things like your virtualization hypervisor was running low on disk space, mm-hmm. which happened once, and mm-hmm. then it took down your business. Bad. Yeah. So, so knowing that these kinds of things are potentially going to be a problem, right? you can reduce downtime in your business because you know... Six weeks before that drive ever has an issue, oh, it's going to have an issue. So maybe we need to remove a couple things or maybe we need to upgrade or put in uh, larger hardware. Right. Because you know preemptively 
You can do it on the weekend. You can do it it after hours. Yeah, you're not scrambling after a crash Mm -hmm. trying to figure out the save. So if, you know, for folks who do IT management or or monitoring for, or or taking care of IT for other businesses, Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful tool. Absolutely wonderful. But because it's free, you can also install it you know, at home to and monitor your plants. Yeah, whatever. Just yeah. play with it. It's it's l- I, yeah. un- unlimited what you can monitor. I would love that. My scale at home it is a smart scale, and it emailed me the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just thought about a smart scale connected by Bluetooth to a NEM server, and if I eat too much <laughs> yeah. and stand on that scale, I'll get a notification that I've gained too much weight. Right. See. <laughs> So it would work. This is where I was going Your with weight this. is flapping, Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> eat, oh, eat boy. just bananas from this point on. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, I, oh, yeah, I was going to go with this. My smart scale yes. was low on batteries, and it emailed me. And then two days okay. later, I ignored the That's email. Cool. But two days later, it emailed me again to find out why I had ignored the first email. Oh, yes. Like, I told you, I'm going to die. That's a great feature, though. Yeah, it's, so. a really, like, it's great for somebody like me who needs reminders. Again, thanks, Marshman, for Monday. <laughs> so this is just a centralized system yeah. that does it all. So you don't yeah. have to have individual devices doing it. It's just one system. But it runs on like a Raspberry Pi, an Odroid XU4. It's yeah. probably the, you know, you want to put it on a platform that's quite reliable. So I go with an XU4 or Pine64 board. Yeah, you just need like a that. single board computer. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Although I say that. Raspberry Pi being like, you know, the, the slowest of the bunch and it runs on SD cards instead of EMMC or M.2. Mm-hmm. So the storage is not as reliable on, on those devices just by their nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I have got a new device called a Pi Watcher that we're adding compatibility. This is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just came out right in the nick of time for NEMS 1.5. So two of them are on their way to me uh, right now from Greece. And... Um, You plug it into your Raspberry Pi GPIO, Mm -hmm. you plug your power cord into that instead of to the Raspberry Pi, and if the Raspberry Pi freezes up or goes unresponsive for any reason, it will power cycle the device. Oh, that's good. So it's in effect like, you know, have you tried turning it off and on again when when it It, crashes, right? Because a Raspberry Pi, it's so low powered that it could crash theoretically and i know that some people with like hundreds of servers that they're monitoring maybe their their pi would go unresponsive sometimes right so you have to pull the power and plug it back in again to reboot this will kind of do that for you using a safe method to do it so that's smart really cool so that's coming to nims as well so there's all kinds of stuff but all that to say nimslinux.com check it out um i'm really excited about it like big time. This is the yeah, culmination. This is a year's worth of work yeah. um, to release 1.5. So now, what are you going to do with all your time? With all my time, <laughs> that's I'm right. Going to support it. Yes. That's it. We got more SBCs to port to and everything else. Um, just a reminder for you, uh, those of you at home and wherever you are, we've got Data Traveler 2000s. These are the encrypted drives that we uh, showed on the show last week. We're giving um, some of these away. Um, so make sure you check the description below on YouTube or on our website, category5.tv. This is episode number 595. Learn how you can qualify for that and cast your ballot to be able to uh, to win one of those hopefully that's right they would cool like me and have one they're really cool (laughs) they are Um, awesome can you tell me about the server situation i was just thinking that like i 
So here's something, folks, if you can just hear me out for just a moment. Um, I try every, every week or every other week to, to just say thank you to our patrons for supporting Category 5. Thank you to those who are supporting us in any way, whether you're shopping on Amazon, through our links on our website, that kind of stuff. It makes a huge difference in paying our month, monthly expenses. We pay rent. We pay uh, our internet. We pay for um, like, you know, general insurance mm-hmm. and you know, the stuff that we need. Even supplies, like we're drinking coffee tonight. You know, all this kind of stuff is paid for. Um, Um, But then sometimes something happens where we need an infusion of funds to be able to uh, move forward at the strength that we're used to. Right. Um, So over the past two weeks, and especially last week, last week was very, very bad. Um, After the show, um, I take the video from the recorder in front of me, and it goes into the, uh, the, what we call our, our, our broadcast server. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what we're able to broadcast from. So it's still online. We're broadcasting from it tonight. It's doing everything that it should. But in post-process, trying to get the video um, into the editor has been very problematic because the USB 3 on the motherboard has gone out. Um, It's no longer functional. Um, And we've got a PCI Express lane that is burnt out, uh, which means that one of the sockets that you're able to plug cards into, which used to hold our hard drive, um, because it's an NVMe special kind of hard drive, um, it's also gone which killed the riser card for the NVMe and damaged the hard drive itself. So we're at a, uh, at a state right now here at Category 5 TV where our main server, the main computer that makes everything possible, is on its way out. Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's been threatening this over the past uh, couple months. There right. have been some odd issues, um, but it's been getting very, very bad. Um, so I am I'm, I'm concerned of that to the point where I was afraid today at one point that maybe we weren't going to be able to go on the air, and that you know that's that could happen. So and hopefully it won't. But so I say all this. That's something that we need to replace effective immediately. Right. And they're not an inexpensive. Um, piece of hardware. You you can think about our broadcast system is basically like a high-end gaming computer. We don't use it for gaming, um, but it has the same kind of specifications. It's got to have a really good video card for mm-hmm. uh, for the 4K um, live real-time visuals. Um, we do things like chroma key. That's the green screen and stuff right. like that. We've had to. We haven't been able to do that lately because of uh, some of those issues, as well as um, uh, you know. I won't get into technical details. But, um, but um, so there, that needs to be replaced. It's a, it's going to be an expensive replacement. Yeah, the, um, whole, the whole thing needs to be replaced, not just whole, components. Well, I thought we could reuse the case. Okay. Like I'm going to pull everything out of it, the, right. the dead motherboard and every, everything else, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the the CPU and everything. It's not what can you do with it without a motherboard and, and so i'm just going to gut it and reuse the case because we do have uh what's called a thermal take uh, uh it was the level 10 snow edition mm-hmm. so it's a good big case it'll take an i9 it'll it'll fit uh, a current 
uh, hardware, even right. though we've had it for, you know, this thing doesn't owe us anything, folks. I, I, I mentioned <laughs> it, like we've had this since season four. So I built this server at the end of season four mm -hmm. and we try to build high. So we try to build something that's, you know, really fairly good specifications for the time because then you get that kind of longevity. Like we've right. been using this. We're now in season 12 and about halfway through the, the season. So it's done a great job. It has done a fantastic job. So do you know what components you would like to add to the new server already? Well, we just need to, we need to replace the server. So can you add that somehow so that people can maybe even add into like the tip jar or is there a way? Well, it really just boils down to that's the need. We yeah. know that, that like a, a new system is going to be at, at least like we're looking twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred dollars for right. something reasonable. Um, but then you say, okay, well we're going to reuse the case, so that bumps two hundred dollars off. We're going to use um, whatever parts we have that we can, mm -hmm. but we're probably going to have to replace everything. But the case, the case, yeah. yeah I think the power supply is probably going on it as well. Because, you know, why do you have power issues? Right. Could be the power supply causing it. Who knows? Um, so I didn't want to dwell on that too long. But I just want to put out that that's a need that we have. Mm -hmm. And yes, your support is very, very appreciated. If you have the means, um, because I don't like to ask for it. So right. it's just like if, if you're able, if you're one of those folks who are able to uh, pitch in a little extra um, just head on over to our tip jar would be a great place to go mm -hmm. and uh, or pop me an email ask me questions I'm I'm perfectly happy to answer um, and and hopefully we'll be able to replace that very very quickly yes and then we won't have to worry <laughs> about it and we can move forward and and of course it'll be a newer server too so it'll be an upgrade at the same time exactly so it has that effect of hey the show's gonna look better than ever that's not our intention but that's going to be a side effect but as exactly well. it's mm -hmm. kind of the byproduct of kind of sorta so um, you can go to donate.category5.tv to pitch in in any way. Um, and, of course, if you're not already a patron, becoming a patron is a great way to do it. Um, and that's something that – but it's like a, a gradual, like, monthly payment kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We really kind of do need that infusion of funds in order to make this happen as quickly as possible. So yeah. that's the need. And I thank you for hearing me out. Folks, we've got a really great show tonight. Uh, we're going to be looking at um, uh, how we can save money on what we would perceive to be a high-end smartphone, but it's not at a high-end price. We're going to be looking at something from Show Me in just a couple of moments' time. Stick around. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Now, Sasha, do you know that I've been having trouble with my smartphone? I did know you were having problems with like, the audio when you were doing video, oh, yes. right? So. Yeah. Okay, so I had a LG G3. Mm -hmm. This is going back a ways. 
And the Wi-Fi chip on it stopped working. And getting into Google, found out that, hey, this is a fairly common issue with these. I had used it for a few years, so and it served me really, really well. It was a good phone. And um, so I thought, okay, I I tried fixing it. I took it apart, and I tried doing all kinds of things and following all the steps that they said to try and put a piece of... No soldering involved, right? No soldering involved, thankfully. Um, But it didn't work. No. So I had to go out and get a new phone, and I wanted to save money. And these are personal, you know, a personal expense. I I have to have a phone. Um, I guess these days you just have to, and you rely on them quite a bit. And I especially need it because, um, you know, I have to be on call and stuff like that for work and for the studio. But... All that said, so I, I needed to save some money. I, I didn't have a lot of disposable income when my phone just stopped working. So um, so I went to the stores, and wow, phones are expensive. They you, are. You can get them cheap, but you got to be on like a three-year contract or a one-year contract, and the specifications aren't very good mm-hmm. on the phones that are in those contracts a lot of the time. Um, and just so you know, what I'm used to as far as my contract goes... Yes. I use pay-as-you-go because even though I need to be available so that if an emergency happens, someone can call me, I don't take a lot of calls right. on, on my smartphone. I use a Magic Jack at home, and, and that's great. It saves me a lot of money. Um, but I don't take or make calls. I just have to have the ability to if I need it. Right. So that said, I pay only $25 every four months for my service. Oh. You get very little with it. You get a very little amount of data. You get very little amount of um, phone usage. Right. But enough that I, I usually last the entire four months before I use it up. So it's like six, $6.25 per month, and, and I'm covered. So yeah. I'm happy. So I'm not going to go onto a contract because the cheapest contract is going to be $70 a lot. Yeah, something. like ridiculously more expensive. So. So with that in mind, I started looking and I got onto our classified system on Kijiji, started looking for phones. I, you know, they're, okay, well, uh, I didn't know if I could trust that. So I found a, a kiosk in the mall that sold refurbished phones. Okay. Uh, okay, I can actually save a few hundred bucks here and ended up getting an LG G5, which I thought was going to be an upgrade. So I went from the G3 to the G5 thinking, okay, this is going to be great. And, oh. Uh- and it was refurbished, and so you know. But I figure I'm buying it from a kiosk; it's going to be good. And uh, no, um, so yeah. I I had lo- I've lost a lot of faith in refurbished over the past couple of weeks, <laughs> as the phone itself, the screen went, and uh, really weird way for it to go. If you had an app open and then closed it it would still be on the screen, but it's not interactive. And you bring up another app on top of it, and you can still see that other app underneath it. And it was really odd and gross. (laughs) And the camera would not focus at all. Like, as if the focus capability of the camera just didn't work at all. So all these Refurbished things... Refurbished from what? It seems like a Frankenstein sort of phone. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of took... So, oh, yeah. but, but I, tr- I tried to save money. I tried to be a good, you know, all right. Well, I'm, I was proud of the fact that I, you know, I only spent $200 on this phone. Uh-huh. I threw $200 in the garbage that day, folks. Not to say refurbished is not fantastic. 
But unfortunately, I got a lemon and it didn't work out. And uh, so I I did lose a lot of faith in... I wasn't going to go back and ask for another one because they just charged me another 200. But there's no return... You can't return them. Yeah. Can't exchange them. It's just... It's like like buying a phone at a garage sale. You're you're taking a risk. Buyer beware. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, what am I going to do? And... You know, thinking back to the kiosks and and the phone companies and the cost and the contracts, I don't want to get into that. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to look around and Xiaomi is always up there. They're very, very popular in South Asia, China, India. And and that brand of phone, they they make really good high-end phones, but it's a lot cheaper. Okay. Right? And and I I'm not I'm not getting into an argument of, you know like China made and all this kind of stuff and I I hope that you know if, like the best of us I, I hope that you know yep. people are well treated in their employ and everything else that's not my intent tonight but I really needed a, a good phone for a, a very good price and <clears throat> I so, I do suspect this has a happy ending it does yeah <laughs> yes. and that's what I want to show you. Uh, today show me so yeah exactly so the sh- show me or xiaomi <laughs> pocophone f1 was 300 us okay so more than i paid for the refurbished um device but wow the specifications on this are crazy for 300 dollars. right okay? so you know my history of dropping things, so I can't even touch it, really. I'm not going to let you yeah, touch exactly. it. So I've actually I've put a case on this. I'm going to show you in just a couple of moments. But uh, I'm going to head over to the unboxing table, and we'll actually get a look at this um, when I unboxed it. It's kind of like we're going to step through time here right. as I step over here. All right, so let's get into the box of the Pocophone by Xiaomi. Uh, I'm just going to show you what the specifications show here so we've got uh, qualcomm 845 uh snapdragon processor that's an eight core processor uh the phone um boasts that it has liquid cooling which is kind of an odd thing but i suppose that sounds really good right it's going to keep it cooler i know that my lg g5 got pretty warm um the gpu is an adreno uh 630 gpu the phone has six gigabytes of ram it's got uh well let's get into the the packaging here and see what we uh what's included uh it comes with this gel case i'm not going to use that i'm going to put it uh put a proper case on it that i'm going to order but um that's nice that it's included anyways. It gets you up and going out of the box without having to worry about scratching the finish and everything else. Basic instructions. Cool. And there it is. <laughs> the Pocophone F1. So it, it does have a much larger screen than I'm used to. Uh, and full disclosure here, I am not a phone guru, folks. So I want to be clear about that. This is... Uh, not a technical demonstration, but I wanted to show you the specs here. It's got a Snapdragon 845 liquid cooling, like I mentioned. An AI dual camera with dual pixel autofocus. That's right there. And that is uh, 12 megapixel and 5 megapixel. And then we've got a 20 megapixel camera on the front here. 
the battery is quite high capacity, 4,000 milliamp hours, and it supports um, Quick Charge 3.0 as well. And uh, that battery is able to uh, give a lot of life. Let's just kind of peel off these stickers. This just shows me how to install the SIM card and everything else, which we already pretty much know how to do. All right, here's the charger here. Even though the box shows that this is the global version, um, so it did arrive in English uh, out of the box, um, oh. but it came with this power adapter, which is from the planet of Vulcan. <laughs> it looks like it. No, it's like European. Uh, but it is uh, quick charge. This is not a 3.0, as you can see there, um, but it does have up to 12-volt quick charge. And uh, and there you have it. So, But this, um, with the interesting power connector this is not going to plug into our canadian power outlets but they did include this little guy uh, this is going to stick out from my wall like crazy right but uh that should at least get me up and going i can until i can again buy something off amazon that will uh, that'll replace that but it'll at least let me charge it with quick quick charge i think this is quick charge 2.0 and it's taken me way too long to get into this. We should just look at the phone, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. How exciting. And the USB cable. There we go. With uh, quick charge capable cable. So not just five volts. And then we've got a uh, SIM card tool as well. So let's, uh, let's see. Now, I imagine that the phone uh, should come with at least a partial charge anyways. Um, so I should be able to boot it up. Um, there's no button on the... Now, the LG phones, I can press the fingerprint reader and it will turn on, but it looks like the power button's actually on the side here. There we go. <laughs> I like the look of that screen. It's so dark. It's cool. You know what I mean? Like, black is black, not, like, slightly illuminated gray. It's got a really good uh, look to it. That's a big screen. Yeah, it is. It's more than 16 over 9, that's for sure. Um, but it doesn't feel huge in my hand. i got to admit that it's... It, I thought that it was going to feel bigger because it is a big screen. Mm -hmm. But it, it doesn't. It actually... I don't know. I, maybe because it's so close to the edge. Um, I see that it did come with almost a full charge there up at the top right. And you can see that it's got the... Um, kind of the iPhone-esque look with the... Um, with the tab at the top there as well. <clears throat> now I want a new phone. I have zero need for a new phone, however. Well, <laughs> you'll, you'll drop yours eventually. <laughs> you know it. So as I mentioned, I, I did purchase a, a case off of Amazon, just something that was more suitable for me. Um, and really, really, you know, I, I'm really liking this phone. And I must reiterate that one of the reasons that I went with the Xiaomi um, Pocophone F1 was the price. And I'm not a phone guy. Right. Okay? Like, uh, I, 
I don't know phones. I'm not. This is not a technical specifications demonstration. This is just, you know, hey, th this is my impression as a phone user. So if you're looking, maybe you're thinking about upgrading your phone. Um, maybe it's time to look around. Like we don't necessarily have to just go with what is presented to us by the phone companies. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned that it has an eight-core processor, six gigs of RAM. It will take uh, like a Kingston 256 gig micro SD card. So that gives you tons and tons of storage. The phone itself, my version, um, only has 64 gigs of internal storage. Right. But again, putting in that 256 gig card, which I would rather use anyways, because I can unplug it and do data recovery if I had to. A phone is much harder and much more expensive to do data recovery on. Mm -hmm. I did find one thing odd and kind of interesting, but even though the, um, the selfie camera is 20 megapixels, right? very high res, um, it only records video in 1080p, which uh -huh. I found kind of odd. And yet the 12 megapixel camera on the front will record in 4K. Huh. Maybe they're thinking like, okay, well, I want really nice 4K video, yes. something like that. Um, it, the cameras do support um, HDR. All the cameras do. Um, the front facing also has really good photo stitching for panoramas and panoramic uh, view as well. That's good. Let's look at the specs really quick because I know some people are going to be wondering about it. It has stereo speakers. It's got the 3.5 millimeter jack for headphones or a microphone or any other compatible um, device. I, I found when I put a case on it, it my headphone wouldn't plug in, so I bought a little extension cord to, to fit in there because it's so so narrow. But that's my case's fault, not the phone. Mm -hmm. It has Bluetooth 5. So, like, specifications are really up there with, that's... like, current, modern, um, and yet really affordable. It's got a built-in FM radio, which I've never seen in a smartphone, but... Uh, I guess that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, if you don't have a uh, nearby internet connection, you can't listen to your radio station. You can listen to the old-style radio. That's right. Uh, it has USB Type-C for charging and OTG. It has infrared faci facial recognition, fingerprint scanner on the back. Um, it has an accelerometer, gyroscope, proximity detector, and a compass. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, you know, that's the sum of that. So the fingerprint scanner, does yeah. that work for unlocking your phone now that you've... Oh, yeah. Like, if I just... Yeah. Okay. It just unlocks it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's, that's handy. Yeah. We're going to actually get a look at the phone itself. We're going to take a really quick break. But uh, when we come back, I'm going to bring it up on the screen and just kind of show you first impressions about how snappy it is, how, how well it works, um, and, uh, and tell you a little bit about my experience so far. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching.
Welcome back. This week we are looking at the Pocophone F1 from Xiaomi, and these are available um, through our link cat5.tv slash F1. So if you're looking for a budget phone that doesn't have such budget features like we're talking like this is a pretty high-end spec phone again not a phone guy but i know what works really well what's super zippy and what feels like a good phone and has some pretty good specifications right an eight uh, eight core processor six gigs of ram everything else it's got dual sim capability if you don't want to use the sd card uh, because it is either an sd card or a sim uh, in the second slot uh, so what i have is sd card and sim but if you need dual SIM, you can do that as well. Shall I bring it up on the screen? Yes. Okay. So here we go. So it obviously has uh, Miracast capability. It's got Android 8.1 Oreo out of the box. It is upgradable to 9.0 Pi. Um, and let's just kind of get a feel for it. So you can see right on the screen that's in real time. It's a little delay to me. So as I move things, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit delayed. But you can see the snappiness of it. What what do you do with a phone right out of the box? I mean, here you go. Oh, it's so this is kind of what nice. it uh, what it looks like, what it comes with. Other than I installed an app called Asphalt because I thought, hey, you'll probably want to see if a game performs well on here. Let's bring up YouTube and let's do a quick search for Linux Tech Show. Nice. Linux Tech Show. Tech show. And we'll click on us. Yeah, there we that go. This is reliant on our, our Wi-Fi as well. Plus, we're streaming live video from the phone to the Wi-Fi. Um, there we go. Let's see. Do we have anything that's kind of like a really good adventure? <laughs> we don't do a lot of movement. <laughs> we don't do, do we? a ton. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, come on now. Um, so we wanted to know if you right, could put a custom OS smart. on the phone. Um, I, I've read that these come rooted. I'm again, not a, uh, I'm not a power user when it comes to phones. Right. So, um, so I imagine so, but I, I, that's not something I would ever do. Um, you, you can do a lot of searching about these and find out more. Um, but from my user perspective, all I see is, Hey, how does it handle? How does it feel as I'm kind of navigating and how does it perform when I'm actually using it? So, um, it came with YouTube out of the box there. The only app that I've installed is that game, which I'm, I'm eager to kind of try mm -hmm. just to see. And if there's anything that you want to see, I mean, there, there's things like allow Compass to access the device's location. Sure. Allow Compass to take pictures and record video. Huh. Why? Would Why? It, oh, oh, I know, because it's augmented. Oh. You know, whatever. It's got Compass capabilities anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's just bring up this Asphalt 9, and I'm going to switch to full, full screen mode. So that you can see kind of the performance, and this is this is in fact real time. So what you're seeing on the screen is what's on my phone right now. So let's let's see. I've never <laughs> I've never run this. I don't know. And hopefully the volume isn't too loud. Not finished. Uh, okay. Do you need the tutorial? No thanks. Now you got this. Let's just do this. How hard you can it be? you can even tell in these animated menus that it's. Super zippy. How do I just play? Go. 
Games these days are so crazy. City Dash. All right. Mm. Okay. Oh, this is nice. Yeah. And remember, that's got a really big screen on it, too. Yeah. Like, so Sasha's seeing this in real time. How do I... Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, it's like at the... Um, what is that called? Accelerometer? Drifting. Oh, okay. Hold to drift. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let me play. Clearly. So. Don't know what I'm... Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It does not feel janky at all, folks. And that's some pretty good good graphics for sure. This, see, playing a game like this is how I would drop my phone. This yeah. is how you would do it? You have to finish in third or better. Press the nitro. Yeah. I'm pushing the nitro. Okay. I'm not good at it, but here I am, right? So I'm just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> there it is. So, I mean, performance is exceptional, and it's doing all this, plus I'm streaming live, plus everything else. Did wow. you finish? Um, what? First. No. You know it. <gasps> Congratulations I'm... on your win. Well, thanks, bud. <laughs> that's uh, a good phone. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So You would use two SIM cards, I should ask, um, if you wanted to take your phone, say, to Jamaica. Yeah, you could do that. And or you would just, like, in my case, for example, I have a cell plan that is, it doesn't include a lot of data. Right. So I can also get pay-as-you-go data from a provider who provides cheap data. Right. And then anytime I turn on my data, it will use the data from that provider and not use up my minutes. That's smart. Yeah. So cool. I can do that kind of thing as well. Uh, but yeah, for traveling, it's perfect for that if you need um, dual SIM capabilities. But there you have it, folks. I mean, it's zippy, it's snappy, and it's affordable. It feels really good. It has a glass um, screen, and uh, it does have a plastic body. But as I say, you know, just grab yourself a nice little case for it, something that works well for you. There you go. What do you that think? That is a great phone. You like that? Uh, I'll let you touch it. Thank you. There you go. I do like it. Yeah, Garvey yeah. said that the second SIM card could be used for work as well. Oh, that's One interesting too, like a work contract or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go, folks. So that's the Xiaomi uh, Pocophone F1. Just a quick review from somebody who doesn't really know about phones, but Except that one's great. I know when it works really well. And so my out-of-the-box experience so far has been excellent. Uh, I felt really good about it. I haven't had any buyer's remorse from this particular phone. The last one, on the other hand, yeah, and that one left immediate. a really bad taste in my mouth. Yes. But this one, so far, so good. Feels great. It doesn't feel cheap. Um, the battery is not removable. Keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is 4,000 milliamp hours. That's the other thing that I have to mention. The battery life on this is nuts. Right. I've, ne I've never, I'm not used to that at all. And does it get warm to the touch when it's running? Mm, well, or? I just played the game, yeah. and we had it open for... Oh, yeah, no, it's good. doesn't feel warm at all. That's the liquid cooling system. That's right. See what I'm saying? Um, but when I say it's nuts, the battery life... Um, remember Jeff and I were talking about my smartphone, and he was talking about how he has a charger on all the time and plugs in his phone in the car and everything else because my phone is dead by the time I get home. Right. Um, that was the LG G5. This one, when I get home at night, so I start work, like I might start at about 6 a.m., I unplug the phone, and it's in my pocket. I'm using it throughout the day. Um, and, uh, and then when I get home and I'm using it throughout the night, 
this one is still at like 86% charged. That's insane. Yeah. Very cool. I am not used to that, and I love it. Noman5 wants to know if it has wireless charging capability. You know it, how I have that Debbie's That's a cool really lamp? excellent question, and you know why that's an excellent question? Because when you look at something like this, so when you get online and you start looking at the specifications and saying, does it have wireless charging and this and that? You're gonna ha you're gonna see things like that where you say, oh, it doesn't have because the answer is no, it doesn't. Okay. And the reason, and this is really really key to remember this, keep in mind all of the amazing features that they fit in this. Yes. For three hundred dollars, and then think, okay, they had to, they had to cut corners somewhere. Yeah. Where did they cut corners? On the processor? No, it is an 8-core Snapdragon 845. Right. Did they cut corners on the RAM? No, it's 6 gigs of RAM. Is it the screen? No, the screen is amazing. Um, so where did they cut corners? Things like... The wireless... You wireless know, and the charging. wireless charging, I love it. Mm -hmm. But also my phone is warm by the time I take it off the charger. So... Oh, yeah. Right? Whereas that one will always be cool. Good. It has liquid cooling and no wireless charging. <laughs> it's super cool. Yeah. Um, so do keep that in mind when you're looking at the specs for something like the Pocophone F1, that there are some things that have been left off of the spec list because, indeed, they, they had to cut corners somewhere. But I mm -hmm. think what they've done is they found a really good spot for where to cut those corners so they can keep the price low while keeping the specifications that I really care about really, really high. But it does have the quick charge uh, USB-C, so... I can plug it in and it will charge it up very, very quickly. I had about 80% charge. I plugged it in and 20 minutes later it was at 100%. Yeah. Like it, it didn't take long at all. Um, it, and I just didn't want to risk it. Right. Because I'm not used to a phone that lasts I was that worried long. when you were like, I need to plug it in for the show. Because you said, just remind me to take it off the charger. And I thought, oh, this is one of those phones. But right. no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me, uh, because it's going to, you know, I don't want to ne neglect the camera. Um, so what do we have here? We've got video, short video, photo, portrait, square, panorama. Oh, that is so cool in manual mode. So, you know, look at all that. Mm -hmm. I don't know my way around just yet. What do we got? Change your, your focal, your white balance, shutter speed and ISO. That's great. <gasps> Hi. There you go. I'll, I'll snap it. Don't you notice do you oh, notice? Yeah. Look at the bricks. look at the blur behind me. That is stunning. Oh, smile! Huh. I just said to myself to smile. Huh. Here, get in here. Look at the background. I love it. Oh, that's good. So we want to look right there. Yeah. There we go. That looks absolutely stunning. So that's the twenty megapixel. Uh, front face camera. I, I don't know if that's because I'm in portrait mode. Square mode. See, it didn't blur the background there. Something we didn't think of during the live show, so this is recorded after, is a video test. So this is what the video looks like on the, um, the selfie camera. And here's what the video looks like from the front camera. I'm not sure which one, because there's two of them. 
Um, and the audio that you're hearing, uh, you notice I don't have my heads headset on at this point, so the audio you're hearing is in fact from the microphone built into the Pocophone F1. So that is the Pocophone F1 from Xiaomi. You can get one at cat5.tv slash F1. Super cool. Ready to head over to the newsroom? I sure am. All right, ready when you are. All right, here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.tv newsroom. A security vulnerability has been disclosed for a flaw in Run C, Docker, and Kubernetes. Kubernetes, Kubernetes, yeah. Kubernetes container <laughs> runtime. Who makes up these names? Eh? <laughs> Which can be used to attack any host system running containers. Canonical has released a new kernel update for Ubuntu systems to address a regression introduced by the last kernel security patch. SpaceX is seeking U.S. approval to deploy up to 1 million Earth stations to receive transmissions from its planned satellite broadband constellation. Raspberry Pi has opened its first bricks-and-mortar stores in Cambridge. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category 5.TV Newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. Jeff Weston. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're covering this week. A security vulnerability has been disclosed for a flaw in Run C, Docker, and Kubernetes container runtime, which can be used to attack any host system running containers. One of the great security fears about containers is that an attacker could infect a container with a malicious program, which could escape and attack the host system. Well, now, we now have a security hole that could be used by such an attack. RunC is the underlying container runtime for Docker, Kubernetes, and other container-dependent programs. It's an open-source command-line tool for spawning and running containers. Docker originally created it, and today it's an Open Container Initiative, or OCI, specification. It's widely used. Chances are, if you're using containers, you're running them on RunC. Security researchers discovered the vulnerability which allows a malicious container with minimal user interaction to overwrite the host run C binary and thus gain root level code execution on the host. The level of user interaction is being able to run any command. It doesn't matter if the command is not attacker controlled as root. To do this, an attacker has to place a malicious container within your system. But this is not that difficult. Lazy sysadmins often use the first container that comes to hand without checking to see if the software within that container is what it purports to be.
Besides Run-C, the problem can also attack container systems using LXC and Apache Mesos container code. So yes, if you're running any kind of containers, you need to patch ASAP. Amazon Web Services has already made a patch available for Amazon Linux and patches are being rolled out for Amazon's ECS, EKS, and AWS Fargate services. Hmm. <laughs> it's happened, guys. So... In the story, we, we say that a lazy sysadmin could be susceptible. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I think that we need to recognize how this could potentially happen. You think that you're, you're not susceptible because how would a hacker install a compromised Docker container on your system? Mm-hmm. But then back up and say, what about if I went on the internet and downloaded a pre-built container because, or, or an OS that was already compromised that could compromise my containers because, am I a lazy sysadmin? No, I, I don't know if that's really the term. It's, There's a lot of pre-built stacks that mm-hmm. are available for you. So you think you're, you're, just, you're not being lazy. You're just kind of taking the path of least resistance because you think it's already available, right? So you, yeah. yeah. Why reinvent the wheel if, mm-hmm. you know, if something... Like something simple like a lamp stack. You know, why, why do you really need to have a, a turnkey solution for that? You can just deploy it yourself and it's not that hard to deploy. Mm-hmm. But something more complex, you know, something right. that, or something that's custom... Mm-hmm. That could be a real issue. And so you're putting a lot of trust in the developers, too. And I think about how, you know, I develop NEMS Linux. And, you know, how terrible would it be if somebody were to do something similar to what I do and make it malicious? Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, I mean... And perfectly doable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like my users are putting trust in me. And I would never violate that, but... But others may. Others may. Right? Yeah. And so how would... How would somebody know, right? Like, for example, like your like NEMS is is amazing and it's good and it's oh, thanks. yeah and it, <laughs> but you're a trustworthy source. But how would you be able to prove that you were right? Yeah, yeah like, how I, would somebody I, else? I have an know? advantage because of the credibility that I have, just as you know, being exactly. the bald nerd. But but like anybody off the you know any. Anonymous developer. developer. Yeah, like developers spread up all the time and bring out stuff. We see it on WordPress. Mm-hmm. How a, you know a new plugin is available? I pulled a plugin this week because the developer injected GDPR pop-ups on my website that right. led out. They had exit links to another website, and I said I gave them a one out of five star review, and I said this is not acceptable. Yeah. You don't ever post exit links on my website without my permission. Mm-hmm. And 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 it wasn't even related to what their plugin was meant to be doing. So so to me, it's like they violated my trust. They violated my users' trust as well. Mm-hmm. It's hard because, I mean, even even the case, like if it's free, then you think to yourself, okay, maybe there's something about this, right? But then there's 
like you never know. Sometimes. Sometimes it Mm -hmm. is. I download like free watch faces to my Fitbit. Well, really in truth, this Fitbit is connected to a lot of things, Mm -hmm. right? So it could, there could be something. It's even worse when a developer could inject maliciousness and charge you money for it, right? Oh, sure. Which is also Mm -hmm. a case, so... Yeah, and we do hear about those things happening too. Yeah. So I think it boils down to be careful who you're downloading stuff from. Mm-hmm. And not just like sources, because my WordPress plugin, as the example, came from the official WordPress plugins repository. Like it came directly from WordPress.com. So, but it wasn't developed by them. And we've heard of WordPress having injected code sometimes. And so people who have those, those plugins get that injection. So... Similarly, if you're using Docker and you're getting um, containers from third-party sources and you're not building them yourself, then you really, really have to be wary and careful. Mm-hmm. This is just a, a perfect example of you know, why, why you have to be so careful. Exactly. Canonical has released a new kernel update for Ubuntu systems to address a regression introduced by the last kernel security patch. After patching a nasty Linux kernel regression in the Ubuntu 18.4 LTS operating system series, Canonical now addressed another regression affecting the Linux 4.18 kernel packages of Ubuntu 18.10 and Ubuntu 18.4.1 LTS systems, which was introduced by an important kernel security update released last week. The kernel security update that Canonical published on February 4th was available for Ubuntu 18.10, Ubuntu 16.04 LTS, and Ubuntu 14.04 LTS systems, but only Ubuntu 18.10 machines were affected by a regression that could prevent them from booting when certain graphics chipsets are used. The regression affects not only Ubuntu 18.10 systems, but also Ubuntu 18.04 LTS machines running the Linux 4.18 hardware enablement kernel from Ubuntu 18.10, which is included in the new Ubuntu 18.04.2 LTS point release. If you're running Ubuntu 18.10 or Ubuntu 18.04 LTS with a Linux kernel 4.18, you are urged to update your kernel packages immediately. You feel like I just threw a bunch of numbers at you. Well, I feel like you know if this is you. Ubuntu 18.10, 18.04, 04.2, kernel 4.18. Right. Just make sure you're up to date, folks. Exactly. Just uh, because this problem, if it affects you, could stop your system from being able to boot. And, yeah. And we hate when that kind of thing happens. And that can happen for any developer. Canonical is a good example of a company that we do trust mm-hmm. to develop good software. And, and not just good like good, but good like we're not we're not worried about them doing crazy stuff. No. I like that they have released this patch. Yes. I feel kind of like a pro star with all of those numbers. I feel like I <laughs> did all right. It started to get a little jumbled and confusing <laughs> there, but essentially if you're running Ubuntu 18.04 or 18.10, yeah. make sure you update to the latest kernel because 4.18 is yeah. And possibly afflicted with that issue. Yeah, it could that would be. stop you from being able to boot your computer. Right. That it's would be the super- most heartbreaking thing. 
Yeah. You, you just type sudo reboot and it won't it's come up. so easy to run an update, right? Like as far as updating and applying patches, yeah. it's so easy. So just do it. Apt update, yeah. apt upgrade, and apt dist dash upgrade yeah. will do it for you. So easy peasy. Your system, uh, Ubuntu is primarily a GUI based system, so like a desktop environment. Mm-hmm. So you probably get a notification that there's an update ready for you. And then easy peasy, just do it. Just do it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> SpaceX is seeking U.S. approval to deploy up to 1 million Earth stations to receive transmissions from its planned satellite broadband constellation. The Federal Communications Commission last year gave SpaceX permission to deploy nearly 12,000 low-Earth orbit satellites for the planned Starlink system. An application submitted February 1st from SpaceX Services, a sister company, asks the FCC for a blanket license authorization operation of up to 1 million Earth stations that end-user customers will utilize to communicate with SpaceX's non-geostationary orbit constellation. SpaceX job listings describe the user terminal as a high-volume manufactured product customers will have in their homes. SpaceX Services seeks authority to deploy and operate these Earth stations throughout the United States, Alaska, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Each user terminal will communicate only with those SpaceX satellites that are visible on the horizon above a minimum elevation angle, the application says. SpaceX asked the FCC for quick approval to support the company's ambitious timetable for launching satellites and deploying broadband services. SpaceX wrote, granting this application would serve the public interest by helping to speed broadband deployments throughout the United States by authorizing the ground-based components of SpaceX's satellite system. SpaceX hasn't provided a specific availability date, But a Reuters report in October 2018 said SpaceX's goal of having Internet service available in 2020 is pretty much on target with an initial satellite launch by mid-2019. FCC rules require the launch of 50% of satellites within six years of authorization and all of them within nine years unless a waiver is granted. SpaceX has said its broadband satellites will provide gigabit speeds and latencies as low as 25 milliseconds, similar to cable or fiber systems. Holy cow. This is the future. This is weird. Uh, as, you're, as you're telling the story, Sash, I'm thinking about how this is also the same company that is apparently going to take us to Mars. Right. So, you know, is this like a preemptive, like, let's get this thing going so that we can open up communications with another planet? That is cool. Moon base, for yeah. example, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's more in, in line. But with those kinds of latencies, like really, really fast and really, really low delay yeah. uh, for Internet connectivity, telecommunications, radio broadcasts video broadcasts, all mm-hmm. those things can be done through this kind of interface. I'm excited about finding out how this actually pans out. Like mid-2019, that's soon, yeah. right? They're, it's going to happen, and we'll have reports quick. Here I am, excited about Mars. I know. But realistically, this is better internet than I have right. at, ho- at home or here. Like that's like gigabit speed I get about on a good day. Like my cable provider boasts that it's gigabit Ethernet. No, 
I might get 50 meg up and 200 down on a good day. Right. Well, last season here, we had such internet problems. We were on LTE, which is the kind of the current standard for, for mobile. Mm-hmm. We were getting about 2020, which right. was good, but it, LTE in and of itself is what it is. It's a wireless cellular technology that it, it doesn't do very well with large packets and things mm-hmm. like that. So This would be awesome. I would like it. I will like it. <laughs> let's see what happens. As we don't have, as you say, we don't have long to wait. So let's it, see yeah. if they get the approval. That is, right? They have to have. They, they only have six years to get five hundred thousand base stations installed. I can't so. imagine that that would be difficult. You're installing a base station. That's a, an on Earth home yeah. device, right? Well, so that's kind of the impression I'm getting. But is it like a a wireless modem, or is it like a tower? It's probably just like a wireless modem or something. And I feel like you drive down the street and you see those old disk satellites and they're still up on people's houses. Mm -hmm. There's definitely like 50,000 of those out and about, you know, like I feel like you you sell it to somebody, they'll install it, Mm -hmm. right? It's not going to be that difficult. I have faith in you. I'm going to hold to that. We're going to, so in about six months time, we're going to do a video of Sasha installing SpaceX internet. (laughs) And then a clip. It's not that difficult. It's not that hard. I feel like you can do it. That's confidence. Raspberry Pi has opened its first bricks and mortar store in Cambridge. The foundation behind the credit card-sized Raspberry Pi single-board computer said it hoped the store would help people get hands-on with technology, try their hand at programming, and see some of the projects being powered by Pi. The shop, located in Cambridge's Grand Arcade Shopping Centre, is in the city where Raspberry Pi was founded and is still based. As we asked Raspberry Pi Kit, as for Raspberry Pi Kit, oh, as well as Raspberry <laughs> Pi Kit and peripherals, the shop will also sell Pi merchandise and magazines. To coincide with the store's opening, the foundation is also releasing a new Raspberry Pi starter kit, which includes the latest Pi 3 Model B+, Plus, as well as a keyboard, mouse, SD card, power supply unit, HDMI cable, case, and a book explaining the basics of Pi. The kit will only be sold in the physical store for the time being, but will be rolled out online in the coming weeks. Founder and CEO Evan Upton says the the shop was the next big step to persuading more people to catch the Raspberry Pi bug. He says the shop provides potential customers with a chance to learn about Raspberry Pi while at the same time giving us a chance to learn more about their needs. Previously, the majority of Raspberry Pi units and accessories were sold Sold online, as well as attracting new customers, Upton said the shop could also become a way of better interacting with and developing the online Pi community. Founded six years ago, the Raspberry Pi Foundation has gone on to sell 19 million of its low-cost single-board computers. Raspberry Pi isn't the only online-only brand that's moved offline. Amazon has been experimenting with bricks and mortar stores since 2015, and in January 2018, it opened its first cashierless grocery stores to the public. This kind of happened out of the blue. Like, did anyone see this coming? Maybe if you're if you're local to them, I feel like have. Raspberry Pi happened out of the blue. It's only six years old. That's like, amazing. That blows my mind in itself. And now to mm-hmm. have a bricks and mortar, I like it. 
What I love about what they're doing is, like, you think about the whole STEM and STEAM movements as far as, like, educating kids. And, and mm-hmm. not just kids, but adults, too, because mm-hmm. a lot of adults didn't grow up with hands-on tinkering with computers and, and technology. Um, but the store is set up in such a way that you can, you can work on your devices right there. You can learn yeah. and and. Potentially, I would imagine, um, I mean, they're across the pond from us, so I haven't been able to visit, but I would imagine that they have staff there that are knowledgeable about the product as well and, and how to use it, how to code it, how to use the GPIO and can, and can kind of teach a little bit as well. Yeah. And, and I get that impression from, um, from the, the statements of their founder where he's kind of talking about we can gauge, we can learn from the people who come into the store right. how we can do better, how we can evolve the product. And, and so I, I think there's going to be more interaction than just walk in, buy a Raspberry Pi and walk out. Exactly. Here's your kit. Here's how you set it up. Here's what you can do. And here's a book to get you started. I love it. I mean, that'll be online as well, but I love that first it's going to be just in store. Yes. Yeah. I do have a huge favor to ask. I feel like... I'm talking to just a like just a few of you because I know we have viewers everywhere. But if you're close by, please this weekend go to the store and just take a couple of oh, selfies yeah. and shots. Let us know. You wear know. your Category Five shirt. I know please. at the Raspberry Pi store. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick look at uh, the state of cryptocurrency according to CoinGecko this week. Uh, as of 1,800 hours Eastern Time on Wednesday, February 13th, Bitcoin is the big gainer, up $202.77 per coin. It is sitting at 3605 26. Wow. Litecoin gained also uh, $8.86, which doesn't sound like much, but being the last week, it was only $32.72. That brings it up to $41.58. Ethereum is at $121.57 US. Monero at $48.80, so everything's on the rise. Stellite, the little guys, gained 0.1 ten thousandths of a cent. I gained again. Yep, 1.80. Uh, TurtleCoin is the only one that went down this week uh, that we are monitoring anyways. There are thousands of coins at this point. Um, it went down to 0.92, ten thousandths of a cent per TurtleCoin. But they're so easy to mine. They're still so easy to get um, and so economical. So, I mean, who knows where it'll be 10 years from now. Yeah, exactly. Nobody really knows. Uh, And do keep that in mind. uh, If you are looking at cryptocurrency, the market never closes and it's always volatile. Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom... I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. Thank you so much for being here with us again this week. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Bye.